God can move. You know, it's one thing to say so. It is a completely different thing to stand and open your heart. It's a, it's a brave thing to turn up tonight. It's a braver thing to open your heart and to allow God to move. And there's too much brokenness and there's too much grief and there's too much loss and there's too much hopelessness for us to just turn up to another service. But here and now, there could be a moment of power there can be a moment of change, but it doesn't depend on me. It doesn't depend on the music. All of this helps, but there is nothing that is more important in this moment than the position of your heart. There is nothing that is more important in this moment than the position of your heart. And if you are wondering, well, where should I position my heart tonight? How should I position it? You know, a really good place to start is to position it in a place that says, God, I want you. Because no matter who you are or where you've come from, or whether you've known Him for 20 years or you don't know Him at all, a good place to start is, God, I want You. And that's what we've been singing about tonight. That's why we gathered here tonight. God, I want You. God, I'm not waiting to be spoon-fed. God, I want You.
because your situation may not yet be good, but God is. He is good. He is, that is God, He is good. And I know the situation might be laced in pain, but God is good. He is a good God. He is a good Father, but He moves not because we beg, but because we ask by faith. That's why God moves. He moves because He's our Father. And when we recognize we're children of God, we can say, God, you're good. You're gonna turn things around. And tonight is a night. You know, I get to, you know, we get to do the final of, I'm a big kid now. Tonight we're gonna do some growing up, which is great. We're gonna do some moving on, which is really awesome. You know, because I've been hearing a lot, you know, it might be comfortable to be a little kid. I am not sure how comfortable it is to sit in my mess. That's nasty. That is nasty. I'm not sure how great it is to sit with my nappies on in my mess. You know, I really don't want someone to come and just change that for me. It's a little bit embarrassing. But what I'd love, I'd, I'd, I'd love it when we move on to a new space in God, it's a chance not just to let things go or shake things off as the team has sung tonight, but it's an opportunity to grab onto something new. And I don't know about you, but it makes it easier for me to let go of what's behind me if I can see what's ahead of me. And so tonight, that's what we wanna do. That's why I want us to declare, come on God, all we want is you. All we see is you. When we see you, we see good Father. When we see you, we see a loving Father. Can you say amen? Father, tonight we come before you and we thank you that you are good and you are God and we open up our hearts and say, come and move in Jesus' name. Amen. Great, you can take a seat, you know, high five someone in the face. No, don't. <laughs> what? Can we give the, uh, the team a hand? How phenomenal are they? How great is Bowler's beard? Cultivated. He's looked after that. Awesome. I did a little bit of growing up in the weekend. I think I deserve a hand. Thank you. Because I moved out of one house and into another. Right, which is really awesome. Uh, the house we moved into was a long way across town. It was next door. I literally, we moved, Ben and I were moving to the house next door with our adopted child, Jordan. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I was, in my mind, this is what I thought. I thought, okay, um, it's just next door. I don't need to organize myself. It's just surely, you know, we can just have a human chain across the fence and we just throw things over. We, it shouldn't take too long. And so, you know, it was Friday morning and Ben and I slept in a little because we had all day. <laughs> you know, it's not going to take long. So we, you know, got up and then we started moving and I packed all the stuff and, you know, I just kind of walking over clothes and 
things. And then I got back to the house and I thought, oh my goodness, there's more stuff. Because I've never moved house before. Oh, I mean, I've moved from my house to house, but I've only ever had to move my room. I've only had to move my room, my stuff. But now there was a whole house of things. And I got back to the house and I thought, oh my gosh, I have to move the pantry. I've never had to think about moving food. Oh my gosh, I have to move the plates and the cutlery. Oh my gosh, the toilet paper. I have to do the whole bathroom as well. And then the laundry. And I thought, man, it probably was a, it would have been a good idea to do the laundry before moving and not have to deal with dirty laundry. And then, I, you know, there's, it's a big deal. Some of you guys are looking at me like I'm stupid. I don't know why you would do that. But it genuinely came as a big surprise to me that I, did, that I had to move this whole house. And I was like, this is taking a long time. And you know what happens when you move house, you find things. You know, I found my Ben box. I have a Ben box from when we were dating. All the Ben letters. I know. I have evidence now that Ben has been telling some people some lies about our dating life. He was a stalker. He was a stalker. He stalked me. So I found my little Ben box. I was like, babe, look. This is great. And then Ben was like, it takes up a lot of room, Esther. Do you not want to get rid of it? And I thought, oh, actually, it does take up a lot of room. And I, I had the opportunity, and it was really great, because then I, just, I switched into gear. I was like, throw everything away. Throw it away. I don't need it. I don't want it. There's, I, the shoes went, the clothes went, some, and then some came back. <laughs> Give it back. <laughs> but there were lots of things that just, you know, kind of left. And then, um, of course, in, there's no inorganic stay anymore. So you can't, you can't, you can, we can't just put things so we had to reshuffle the crap and take it from one place <laughs> to another. And now there's just all of this stuff. And as I walk into the new house, I'm like, oh man, there's all the stuff that I don't want to see. There's all the stuff that I've decided I don't want a part of my life. And now I have to wait it there. I have to wait and just like, it's just there. And now I have to pay money to get rid of it. Now I have to pay money in West Auckland. It's, you have to pay by weight to get rid of your rubbish. And I think it's a little bit like our spiritual life. We move from one place to another, and it's a great opportunity to just get rid of stuff. Oh man, I really don't want to take this into the next new space that I'm going to live in, but what will I do with it? What am I going to do with it? Some of us take it with us to our new space of freedom in God, and then we just put it to the side. Right? And we walk past it, and we're like, no, I have dealt with it. No, I, no, 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 I have dealt with that insecurity. <laughs> no, I have dealt with that offense. I've dealt with that jealousy. I've dealt with all of those things, but really, we've just put it in a nice pile on the side. Right? Just me, yeah, right, we do, that's what we do. 
And then the longer it stays there, the longer it becomes an eyesore, and then we realize we actually have to pay something to get rid of it. Right? We have to pay big time to get rid of it. It now costs us something to get rid of it. It now costs us a little bit of pride in a conversation with the leader. It now costs us a little bit of our ego. It now costs us a little bit of our, 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 ourselves to say, oh, actually, I think I need some help to get rid of this stuff. And so good times in church. Um, what, I, uh, what I would like to do is I'd like, I'd like for you to turn to Ezra in chapter eight. Oh, sorry, in chapter three. And we're gonna talk, I wanna talk to everyone about the book of Ezra and the, the journey of the Israelites here. And we're gonna go through it super quick, but I just wanna pull out some lessons and pull out some ideas about how we can get rid of the stuff. Let's get rid of the stuff, you know? And perhaps let's put in good practices in our lives to ensure that we build, that we accumulate kingdom things that we don't, that don't become weights in the end. Let's ensure we accumulate things of the kingdom in our lives and our hearts and our relationships so that when we're moving on with God, we're taking everything of the kingdom that we want to take with us. Okay, so turn in your Bibles to Ezra and chapter three. And before we go there, I just wanna bring to light the word repent. It's a good word. Because that's what I've learned I need to do to let things go. It's often I need to repent. And this is what, you know, sometimes people think it's a scary word. This is what it means. It means to change one's mind for the better. Right? That's what it means to repent. It means to change any or all of the elements composing of one's life, your attitude, your thoughts and behaviors concerning the demands of God for right living. To change any or all of the elements of your life that are concerned with right living toward God. Okay, and so today I think we need to repent or let go or change our minds of building with a particular material in our lives. And then we need to grab on to a new material in Jesus' name, yeah? And thank God for the cross that paid the price to get rid of the crap. <laughs> I'm pretty thankful. Okay, all right. So Ezra in chapter three. So what's happening here? This is the first exodus of a whole lot of Israelites when they have been released from 70 years, someone say 70 years, 70 years of being um, captive in Babylon. So they are now, uh, they're, they're, they've been freed, thank you Jesus. In verse one, in early autumn when the Israelites had set, settled in their towns, all the people assembled in Jerusalem with a unified purpose. Say unified purpose. Then Jeshua son of Jehozadak, joined his fellow priests and Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, with his family in rebuilding the altar of the God of Israel. They wanted to sacrifice burnt offerings on it as instructed in the law of Moses, the man of God. Catch this in verse three. Even though they were, the people were afraid of the local residents, they rebuilt the altar at the old site. So here's what's going on. 
There's a whole lot of people who have been captive, who have been bound, who have been born into captivity, and finally they've been freed, and they make their way to Jerusalem. And as they get there, there are all of these other people who are living there that are slightly scary. Sounds familiar. Sounds a bit like the Israelites and the giants with the Canaan and the promised land. Right? There are all these other people living there, and they think, okay, like we are people of God. We're going to build an altar. As they're building this altar, they are in fear of their lives, but they continue to build anyway. Why? Because verse 1 said they had gathered with one unified purpose. And so when we're moving on, when we're moving into a new space, we need to repent of preference. And we need to grab on to purpose. That's how we grow up. We repent of our preference, of our comfort, of our what will people think of me? Well, these people are people of God. No one, no one lives life like this. No one does. No one steps out in faith and goes to New Zealand for six weeks or something. How long was it? Six, eight, a long time. Who does that? There would have been people say, why are you doing that? I don't get it. But if we're going to grow up, preference doesn't have a space in our life, but purpose is where we live. So the question is, how do we grow up? You got to have purpose. We've got to have a purpose because purpose will unlock passion but preference will unlock a paralysis in faith. That's what happens. When you work from the purpose of God, it will unlock passion. I'm willing to go through anything. I'm willing to lay my life down. Passion literally means to suffer. I'm willing to pay the price. I'm willing to do what it takes because I'm moving with passion because I have a purpose. But when we're moving with preference, our faith gets paralyzed. Why? Well, because the very nature of faith is that it's the substance of hope and it's the evidence of things yet to be seen, right? So faith is substance and faith is evidence. But in order, because the very nature of faith is that it's the substance of hope and it's the evidence of things yet to be seen, right? So faith is substance and faith is evidence. But in order to bring substance and evidence, it means you actually got to bring something to the table. Preference says, oh, maybe not today. Maybe another time. Maybe when I have more money. Maybe when I'm married. Maybe when I have a degree. Maybe let me buy a house first. Maybe let me set up my family first. Now, all of these things are great, but if they're not fueled by the purpose of God, it will paralyze your faith. Probably one of the first things, or not one of the first things, but one of the most important things I learned was when I left high school and I went to university to study a Bachelor of Science. And I did you know, two years of it. Why? It's preference. And then, thank God he interrupted me to go to Bible college, right? And I, you know, 
thank, thank God I listened. And when I remember my first week sitting in Bible college, this is a great segue to just say, if you don't know what you're doing for 2018, make sure you prayerfully consider Equipers College and Equipers Creative Lab. So I remember my first week in class and I sat there and I remember thinking to myself, oh my goodness, this is what it feels like to follow God's will. Oh my gosh, this is what, and I, I say this with no exaggeration, I literally came alive. I came alive and I thought, oh my gosh, I, I'm not here to live for Bible college, but I will forever lay my life down to continue to be in the place where I am always in the will of God, always moving by purpose, always moving because God said, so I go. That is the purpose. And so it made me grow up super quick. It is that same purpose that years later when I went back to university and I was in my third year and I had that, you know, I was part-time working for church and I was traveling and doing itinerant ministry and then I got engaged and we're trying and we're getting married and it was my third year of the degree and it was so hard and it was so full on and people said, Esther, maybe you should slow down. Now, I'm not saying that slowing down is a bad thing to do, but I'm saying unless God says, so I went to God and I said, God, do you want me to let go of any of these things? And God said, no. So I'm like, sweet, I'm gonna move with purpose. I'm not gonna move by preference. I'm not gonna make my world smaller. I'm not gonna hold back. Why? Because the minute we do that, that fear is gonna take over that we saw in Ezra. Okay, cool. Good times. You know, I think some people talk about passion, but what they're really talking about is preference. Right? I'm not, a, this is not a dig at anyone in particular. But you know, some, sometimes when I speak to young adults in university, and I always ask the question, what do you want to do with your life? Oh, you know, I really, I really enjoy sports. And I'm like, great. Are you gonna die for it? Because <laughs> some people will say, yep, God has called me. You know, most people will say, oh, nah. Well, probably not, but I think it's probably a good idea that I should go to university. And great, I get that too. Because I, you know, I did a Bachelor of Communications and I majored in the creative industries which, you know, is awesome. But it's not like I graduated the degree and thought, you know what, I'm going to work in, in the creative industries for the rest of my life. But I did the degree because I knew God. God had sent me there. God had sent me to university. Okay, I've got to move on, but I think some young people need to hear that. It's the same kind of logic, like, hey, I think I'm going to take a gap year. A gap from what? your life? You can't do that. You live it every day. You want take a gap year, go to Bible college. Go to Creative Lab. Allow God to awaken purpose in your life. Okay, awesome. Okay, cool. Uh, Ezra and chapter four. Oh, this is good. It gets so good, guys. 
Israel in chapter four and verse one says this. So they've rebuilt the altar and now they're rebuilding the temple of God. So the enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard that the exiles were rebuilding a temple to the Lord, the God of Israel. So they approached Zerubbabel and the other leaders and said, let us build with you for we worship your God just as you do. We have sacrificed to him ever since King Esarhaddon of Assyria brought us here. But Zerubbabel, Jeshua, and the other leaders of Israel replied, you may have no part in this work. We alone will build the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, just as King Cyrus of Persia commanded us. And so if number one is we need to repent of our preference and grab on to purpose, number two is we need to repent from the pursuit of popularity. And then we need to grab on to people. It's a subtle difference, but it will make the hugest difference in your life. We need to repent of the pursuit of popularity. And we need to grab on to the people in our lives that we're supposed to be building with. Yeah? Because they're here, they're on a mission from God. They have been given an assignment to rebuild the temple together. And people came. They were the enemies of Judah. They came and they said, hey, we wanna help you out. Sounds like a good idea, right? More, more hands, many hands make light work. And it probably made great human sense to have more hands on the job. Yeah, we so need help. Oh, look, you used to be my enemy and now you're helping me rebuild the temple. Do you know, we need to be very, very careful that we don't use people to do the God work that was assigned for you. Yeah? Like, probably ladies, we could stop using the men in our lives to be the source of, or the cause of, or the blame of all our inadequacies. And men, vice versa. Right? You <laughs> We need to stop using people in our lives to build, the, to build your own temple. Build your temple. Build your house. That's your house for you and God. You build it. And God, you know, I can't. I can't. I can't rely on my husband to have a relationship of, of, with God on behalf of me. We can't rely on our e-group leaders to have a relationship with God on behalf of you. We've got to let go of this, of, of this, of this popular, you know, we kind of just do what everyone else is doing. We, 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 we just go on and we build like everyone else is building. And it is, it is a culture thing as well in our society. In relationships, people just live together. Don't. I mean, you know. Boyfriend and girlfriend. Yeah. Don't live together until you're married. Well, the, the normal thing to do would be to, you know, the normal thing to do, 
better just to go in and live together. It's what everyone else does. But I'm not about popularity. It's only around for a season. Popularity is like a trend, right? It's in one day and out the other, and then you pay the price. Popularity, like preference, only has a season. And if we go with it, it is disobedience. It is sin. And the great thing about, well, not the great thing, but the thing about sin is that it's fine. You can have your kicks with sin. If that's, that's your prerogative. But the thing is, you want to have your kicks with sin, it kicks back. And it kicks back hard. And the payoff is not worth it. And so we got to choose to build in Jesus' name with the right people. I don't know if they're here tonight. I think actually only Tere might be here and Carl might be at home with the kids. Um, or if you're on live stream watching church, hey, hey, friends. So this is Tere Moana Brockbank. Tere used to be in, um, she was in my very first connect group, e-group when I was like 17 and had no idea what I was doing. But I had a small group of young people, young women, they would come over to my house and we would watch Smallville. <laughs> right, after school, we're all in high school, we Smallville on the TV and then we'd have a snack, we'd do some homework and then we'd open up the word of God. Right? And I had no idea what I was doing. I'm like, let's read the gospels. <laughs> if you have any questions, Ask him. Then we'll pray. So Tere was in my small group a very, very long time ago. And then life kind of continued and we grew up going to church and serving together. She married Carl and Carl is awesome. Carl was the youth pastor here for a while and I was serving in youth. And Tere went from being a friend to be a leader that I served. Well, I, I went from being Tere's leader, and then now I was, she was my leader, and I was serving her vision and youth ministry, and then after that, uh, we, we, were, we were all leading together in ministry, and we became friends, and then, you know, I, I met Ben, and Ben stalked me, and we got married, you know, and the wedding was fun, and Tere, I went to Spiron, and Tere was my maid of honor, and she rapped at my wedding. Yeah, girl got skill, man. She got bars. And um, uh, Ben's, Ben's uh, best man was Carl. And I tell you all of the story that you guys probably don't even care about. But I tell you, I tell you all of this because we chose who we were going to build life with. And now Teddy texts me the other day. She said, Esther, I put you on ben and, and Ben on the emergency list for Dallas's daycare. Right? And I, me and Ben were like, oh my gosh. And I said to Ben, look, she probably just means me. <laughs> but you just, we're married now, so you come and you, the, the deal is the two of us now. I'm right, eh? I'm probably right. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but it's the beauty of living life together. It's the beauty of choosing who you live with. I don't know if Ben and I would actually have gotten together if Carl didn't say to Ben, well, if you want to date Esther, you better pick up your game. <laughs> she doesn't even know you like her. You know, Ben took me out on our like first lunch. I didn't even know it was like a date thing. I thought it was a youth leaders meeting. <laughs> That's what I thought it was. 
talked about youth, we talked about youth strategy, about growing a hub, some of that was awesome. And Carl just kind of rolled his eyes. And I'm sure he told Ben after that, gee, pick up your game. She's got no idea. Where would I be without, without friends like that? But you gotta choose. You gotta choose that you're gonna build with people, that your life is gonna be about people. Man, the currency of the kingdom is people. It's people. Okay, I'm moving on. And last one, Musos, get up here. So in Jesus' name, choose carefully. You know, tonight, uh, just while saying that, I actually, actually think God wants to do a deep work of healing because people have chosen to build with the wrong people. That people have walked across your path and, and they've said, hey, I'd love to build life with you but they've come in and they've built and it's done some big damage. It's damaged your trust. It's damaged your view of God. And in Jesus' name tonight, that you would be restored, that your heart would be healed, would be renewed, and that you would no longer fear friendship and relationship and doing life together. Now's a really good time for the keyboard. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Ethan. He was there, he was our bouncer. Yeah, so just if, if that's you just now, would everyone just close your eyes super quick? And I know this is, you know, probably a lot of people in this room because we've all been hurt. specifically even I specifically think just for for males in this room that you thought people were going to build with you you thought they were going to walk with you you thought they were the right ones to build with but life happened and they they left your side and they they damaged they damaged your heart from the inside. If that's you, male or female, there's just a moment now of healing. Would you just respond to God however you want by lifting your hand, by saying, yeah, that's, that's me, God, and I, I want your healing. And I wanna stop building alone. I want to let go of the offense and the hurt because it's filtering everything. I see everything through this particular offense. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come now. You would come now like a soothing balm and just soothe over and smooth over that wound, that offense in Jesus' name, that you would do a heart surgery and you would replace that offense with hope in Jesus' name. As that offense and that hurt is released to you, 
Holy Spirit replaced it with hope and wisdom that we might know how to hear and see the people that you've chosen for us to build our temple with. In Jesus' name. years on, the temple has been built and there's another set of exiles who are leaving Babylon and who are moving into their promise again. And in verse 21, this is Ezra, the author. And there by the Ahava Canal, I gave orders for all of us to fast and humble ourselves before our God. We prayed that he would give us a safe journey and protect us, our children, and our goods as we traveled. For I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to accompany us and protect us from our enemies along the way. After all, we had told the king our God's hand of protection is on all who worship him. But his fierce anger rages against those who abandon him. So we fasted and earnestly prayed that our God would take care of us and he heard our prayer. The very last thing is that we, we, including myself, we need to repent from building our lives out of the possessions we have. And we need to grab on to the peace of God. If you didn't catch it in those verses, Ezra is hilarious. He's journeying this whole group of people, masses of people. And along the way, it's a dangerous road. And the king said, I'll give you whatever you need to take your journey and take it safely. But Ezra says, no, your job is not to protect me. That's God's job. I don't need your protection. And so then he got everyone together and said, guys, we really need to fast and pray because we're going on a dangerous journey. And I kind of told the king that God would take care of us and we didn't need all of his protection. So we're kind of in a little bit of trouble. And we just really need God's protection right now. I, th I, I personally think it's quite hilarious. That's what I do a lot of the time. I make big faith statements. And then I'm like, huh. How do I work this through? <laughs> this is really possibly stupid. But I love this because, you know, it wouldn't have been a sin to take what the king had offered, but it would have been a lower level of faith. And I think the final thing of growing up is that we don't use our possessions or the things that we have, the accomplishments that we have to provide us with a devised kind of security. But we use, or we have the peace of God in our lives that involves God risk, right? Peace isn't like, oh, everything's just gonna be amazing with, you know, fluffy clouds and unicorns and candy floss. That's weird. But the peace of God actually involves risk. 
and saying, God, I'm going to look to you as my provider. And that's really scary. So what's the difference between a devised protection and a divine protection? Because you have the ability to protect your own life. You have the ability to, to build your own boundaries. Or you can get your little e-group together and say, guys, I made a really big faith statement. We're really cool if we can fast and pray. Because <laughs> now I've got to walk this out and God is my only source. Can you help me out? And then that's where the miracle testimony comes. That's where the crazy miracle comes from. And so in Jesus' name, I pray that we would be a people who are about purpose, about people, and who are about a God kind of peace, that we let go of preference and popularity and paralyzing faith and all of those things and say, God, we're going after you. In Jesus' name, stand to your feet. One more time. We're just gonna sing out this song, all I want. And what I want us to do is that word at the very beginning of this message, which was about repentance, saying, God, I want to give you all of my ways of thinking when it comes to life, my attitudes, my thoughts, and my behaviors. I wanna give them all to you, and I want them to align to a right living toward you in Jesus' name.